0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
1: And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards.
2: Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Cam Edwards with you. Hope that you have had a fantastic week. Uh, It has been... It's been a busy one here for us. Uh, Missy, by the way, has the week off. She is still recovering, had uh, a minor surgery compared to the uh, major surgery of a couple of weeks ago. As we get ever closer towards uh, chemotherapy beginning, uh, Missy had to have a port installed. So she's kind of bionic now, uh, which uh, meant going uh, to the hospital in Farmville earlier this week. Outpatient surgery, Uh, still a little sore, Uh, actually really sore, I I think uh, is fair to say, still really sore uh, right now, both uh, with the new surgery and the port being installed, and then uh, her ribs are still giving her a lot of trouble. Um, but uh, she is recovering. Hopefully, uh, you're following along with her adventures on uh, Instagram at Corny Goat Farm. She has been busy knitting uh, a lot of chemo caps. Probably uh, by the time she actually starts, she might have a cap for every day. Uh, she might have as many chemo caps as I have baseball caps. And uh, you may have, again, if you're following her uh, on Instagram at Corny Goat Farm, you may have seen the the modeling that I did for uh, one of the chemo caps the uh, the nice little uh, purple flip bottomed uh, chemo cap had a lot of requests for uh, for me to model that one so there you go. you can uh, catch that picture at uh, corny goat farm but uh, all things considered uh, Missy e is doing pretty well uh, family's doing well it's been a cooler week on the farm uh, things are sort of uh, winding down fall is definitely. Uh, on the way, if uh, it is not already here, leaves are still uh, awfully green on most of the trees and the yard is still growing uh, after uh, what nearly two months without rain. And then we had a uh, couple of weeks of fairly good soakings and uh, and now the, the yard needs to be mowed again. So that'll be on my to-do list this weekend uh, along with uh, just kind of getting the house ready for winter you know you, you you think it's not coming and then all of a sudden you realize holy cow it's mid october i got to get things ready so i did look we've got plenty of propane we we should not have a repeat of our uh, propane induced uh disasters uh that we've had over the past couple of winters actually i guess last winter we we made it through without running out of propane but uh, the first uh, two years that we were in the house. We actually managed to run out of propane, which meant that we ran out of heat, uh, in the middle of winter when the, uh, propane trucks could not deliver propane to us because the, uh, farm road was all covered in snow and then it was muddy. And yeah, I I want to avoid any possibility of that happening this year, uh, particularly with Missy going through chemo in the early part of the winter. Um, it would be very bad if Missy e had to suffer uh, through a very cold, unheated house. I want to make sure that uh, that she's comfortable, she's good to go. So uh, this weekend, again, just uh, sort of getting ready for things. Um, I am taking Missy e out for an early birthday dinner. Uh, her birthday's coming up here in uh, about a week or so. And uh, Missy e is a big fan of steak, and she's a little concerned that with the uh, chemo starting, that uh, she's going to lose her appetite. She's going to, you know, just feel nauseous and sick, and uh, won't really want to uh, to go out on her birthday or uh, right after her birthday. So we're going to celebrate a little bit early with a steak dinner uh, and a scallop potatoes. She's already looking forward to these scallop potatoes. I'm just glad to see her. Uh, her her uh, interest in eating coming back. Her appetite has returned. You know, for the first probably week and a half or so. And they say they told us uh, when she was in the hospital uh, because of the anesthesia that's used, it can stay in your system for a month. So the doctors and nurses said, you know, look, you, you may not feel like eating for a month. So I'm glad to see that that uh, is not the case. And uh, you know, again, outside of the pain, um, she's doing okay. Now, the, I, I, getting back to that for a second, I, you know. so on Cam and Company, on uh, NRAnews.com, NRA TV, uh, Sirius XM Patriot, iHeart Radio, iTunes, uh, wherever you want to find us, we are there each and every weekday, 2 to 5 Eastern. We have been talking a lot about the heroin uh, overdose epidemic in this country because not many people are, for one thing, uh, and it is enormous, You look at all of the attention paid by the press, by celebrities, by people like Michael Bloomberg, uh, to the issue of gun control. We had, uh, last year, more heroin overdose deaths, not not just opioid overdose deaths, I'm talking just heroin, more heroin overdose deaths in the United States than firearm-related homicides. And it wasn't really even that close. Then you add in the uh, overdoses on opioid-based pills, uh, and the numbers grow exponentially. They almost double. And these numbers, by the way, are soaring up 400% over the last few years compared to uh, gun-related crime and gun-related violence, which until 2015 had been dropping for the past 25 years. And again, which topic uh, does the media have more interest in? So we've been talking about and, and kind of covering these stories of these towns across the country that have seen uh, these waves of, of overdoses. You know, Narcan is becoming more and more uh, commonly uh, carried by first responders, be it the police officers or uh, EMTs. Um, I don't know if this is why. Miss E's uh, pain management has been limited basically to, uh, well, let's see, yesterday she got a prescription for ibuprofen and uh, Zantac because uh, she was complaining uh, to her doctor that the, uh, the medicine that they gave her when she got home from the hospital after her lung surgery, um, which was acetaminophen and oxy, it wasn't oxycontin, it might have been oxycodone. Um, it was not getting it done. And as a matter of fact, the acetaminophen in one of those pills was like less than half of the uh, dose of acetaminophen that you could normally take uh, by itself. So she asked for something else, something different that you know could just help her sleep through the night. She's not a uh, pill popper. She doesn't like taking medicine. She doesn't like taking pills. She uh, uh, wants to get off as quickly as she can, but she also wants to be able to sleep through the night. She wants to be able to... Um. Not cringe in pain every day, and uh, and she got ibuprofen and uh, Zantac. So I, I told her to talk to her uh, GP and let him know what's going on, and maybe he could help. But I I, so I don't know if this is you know doctors uh, being told don't prescribe these uh, uh, opioid based pills. Uh, If this is uh, doctors now becoming ever more reluctant, Uh, you know, Missy, I guess, I guess fits the profile in some ways um, of uh, those who are maybe more likely to abuse this medicine. I mean, you look at. You look at some of the anecdotal news stories that have come out. Um, The the individuals who have been photographed or recorded uh, having passed out in their car uh, with uh, their grandchildren in the back seat. There was a a couple in Memphis um, a couple of days ago who were uh, filmed after they had uh, walked out of, I think it was a Dollar General store, and had just basically collapsed on the sidewalk. There was a... uh, a uh, woman in, uh, I believe, another Dollar General store. Uh, this wasn't in, in Memphis. Uh, I can't remember where this was, but she collapsed. Uh, they're in the store, her uh, her, her young daughter, uh, you know, sitting there on the floor, screaming, trying to wake up her mom. You know, Missy e is a uh, woman who just turned 50, uh, lives in a rural area. I suppose, you know, there are a couple of those boxes that you can check and say, all right, well, this is an uh, increased risk but it seems to me like if you're doing that, then you are ignoring the, the individual case. Um, and in this individual case, you have someone who is recovering from major surgery, who was told in the hospital that, you know, pain management was really important to them, that, uh, that they didn't want her to be in pain, that you recover faster when you're not in pain and that she, in fact, has to be fully recovered before she starts her chemo. She doesn't feel like she's fully recovered. And, uh, this has been frustrating this week this has been my 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 frustration because there's only so much that you can do as you know a caregiver as a uh, as a spouse of somebody who is going through this, your job is kind of limited. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. I can't administer the chemo. I can't make her uh, feel better. I can't take away that pain. What I can do is I can advocate. Uh, I can try to distract her. I can you know try to be funny and make her laugh instead of uh, focusing on the pain. But 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 again, that's that's not everything that you want to be able to do. Um, so it has been. A frustrating experience uh, in some regards this week. It's it's you know on the one hand every day I see her getting better, I see her getting stronger. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, every day I also see that uh, she's not at hundred percent. That uh, that she is still uh, dealing with some of the issues of the surgery, and you just want to you want to help, you want to do more. Uh, and so that has been my frustration this week. Hopefully, we'll be able to get that resolved and in uh, next week. Uh, We'll have better news to report for you. All right, we're going to step away for just a moment or two. I don't know why I say we. It's just me this week. I'm going to step away for a moment or two. You stay right there because we'll be right back. I'll be right back here with more
1: 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. 40 Acres
1: and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So I got an email this week
2: from Tristan in uh, Everson, Washington, who uh, wrote in for the first time. Says, want to say I love listening to the podcast. It's great to hear the stories of the adventures on the 40 acres. I, too, live on 40 acres, though it is not mine. I'll get to that in a minute, says uh, Tristan. Says, I've been wanting to write for a while, especially uh, recently, but my computer is not always cooperative, and I really don't like typing on my smartphone. I am with you, Tristan. Not not to digress, but I'm with you. This is why I have a rule. Uh, if it's, If it's more than like three texts, just call me. Call me, because I hate typing on my smartphone. Uh, He says, tonight the computer is working. He says, I've been listening almost since the beginning when I discovered the podcast while looking through all the different shows that the Blaze had to offer. I have a few podcasts that I listen to, and they usually get backed up, and then I listen to them at work on the days that I'm operating the loader. I just finished the latest podcast, and I first want to say that lately I find myself thinking about you guys often and how you both are doing. I'm glad that the surgery was successful and that Mrs. E is doing well. I'm not afraid to admit that I, too, have been struck by onion-slicing ninjas while operating a front-end loader and listening to the podcast lately. I know cancer is a scary thing as both my grandma and my dad have had cancer in the last couple of years. My grandma had breast cancer and after radiation and chemo has been cancer-free for over a year now. My dad had bladder cancer a couple of years ago and had that surgically removed and has remained cancer-free as well. Well, Tristan, first of all, thank you for sharing your stories and thank you for thinking about us. And, uh, you know, again, we're staying positive we we really really are. I was talking with Missy last night, and you know, part of the I guess I don't want to say part of the issue, um, but one of the things that I think has been this sort of confluence of events. Uh, over the past few weeks is that typically uh we record our podcast at night after the kids go to bed it's like it's it's kind of the one time that we have a chance to sit down and things are uh kind of quiet um but that's also the time of day I think that the brain starts turning and starts thinking and um that that you know the it's it's when you wake up in the morning and you're getting the kids ready for school and you're walking the dogs and you know letting out the chickens and the Goats and making sure everybody's got water. I mean, like you're busy, right? You you don't have time to think about this stuff. But when all your chores are done and it's the time that you normally, you know, sit and relax and you kind of uh, turn off your brain or uh, start to, you know, unwind from the day, um, that's when the uh, the thoughts start to come. And uh, there have been a few late nights uh, recently as um, Missy and I talk about what's going on. And I try to uh, talk her through uh, the fear and the scary stuff and the unknown. And that really is what it is. It's, it's the fear of the unknown. Um, I, I told Missy um, earlier this week during one of these late night conversations, I said, you know, it's almost like there are two different types of fears. There's that short-term fear of, okay, what is the surgery going to be like? This is before her surgery, most recent surgery. Uh, What's the surgery going to be like? What's the recovery process going to be like? Uh, What is chemo going to be like? What are the side effects going to be? How am I going to feel? There's there's that short-term immediate, like, okay, what's coming next, and how am I going to deal with this? And then there's the longer-term fear of, well, what if it comes back? And what do I do if it comes back? And, what do I, you know, and you can start thinking about this, like, I'm going to have to go through this all over again. Can I go through this all over again? So one of the things that I've been trying to do is help her uh, and help me, I guess, in a way, too, remember, I'm not so good about dealing with the short-term stuff other than, you know, we'll go through it. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure there are going to be things that suck and, but there may be things that, that you're worried that'll happen that won't happen and there may be side effects that you've heard about that, uh, that you won't really uh, have to go through um, but long term and, uh, and, and I, I really do believe this long term I'm very very positive um, this is so there, let me give you a couple of reasons why I'm really positive A. they got what they think they, they think they got everything they think they got everything out of her lung. Uh the uh, the the radiologist said I can't do radiation because there's nothing to radiate. So uh, that's a good sign. Uh there was nothing in her lymph nodes. That's another good sign. She is uh relatively young. She is relatively healthy outside of the whole, you know, lung tumor thing. Um doesn't have a lot of the ancillary problems and other problems that uh uh that that, that would make me feel like, okay, we really have to worry about this coming back. Um, there have also been so many developments in cancer treatment, particularly lung cancer treatment. As we were watching TV last night, uh, I actually saw an ad for people who have had l- uh, non small cell lung cancer. And this doesn't apply to her, this, this medicine doesn't apply because it's for people who have advanced uh, non cell or non large cell lung cancer we've gone through chemo uh, and it hasn't really worked and so this is another treatment Um, and I was watching this and I was like oh and I said well you can't this isn't for you because you right now there's there's nothing there's no tumor to shrink but it's good to know that you know if something ever came back uh, that there are all kinds of new treatments plus uh, her monitoring regime she's going to be getting CT scans every quarter uh, for the next year and then it'll be every six months for the year after that, and then it'll be every year. So we're going to keep an eye on things. Uh, And hopefully, if um, the cancer ever did return, uh, we would be able to recognize it and uh, deal with it before it got to the size that this particular tumor got to. So honestly, long-term, I I am really positive, and hopefully I'm able to help Miss E be really positive long-term. I think the next few months, probably gonna suck. I mean there's just no way around it. It's probably gonna be a pretty uh, wretched you know few months. Hopefully we'll be able to um, uh, uh, supplement the the awfulness with things like her Halloween party, uh, which will be coming up here at the end of the month. She loves Halloween so we're gonna try to uh, have a, a shindig at the house uh, Thanksgiving. You know, you've got uh, Christmas. I don't know if our oldest daughter's going to be able to come home for Christmas, but uh, hopefully, we'll have most of the family at the house, and so. And then January—that'll be her last month, uh, and and then we'll be done. So, just trying to you know keep her positive, uh, Tristan. But stories uh, that, that like yours, where you talk about you know your grandmother having been cancer-free for a year now, and your dad uh, having been cancer-free for a couple of years after having surgery. Um, that that helps. Trust me, it really does. And I'm so glad to hear that the news has been good uh, for your grandmother and your dad. Tristan says, uh, a little about me, my wonderful wife, and I have two beautiful daughters, ages seven and five. We live on 40 acres with my grandparents, who own the property and a second house. And my mom lives in what used to be the garage but was remodeled into living space. My dad has dementia and is in poor health and now in a nursing home as it became too much for my mom to take care of him here at home. On the 40 acres, we have two sheep, 23 chickens, seven ducks, three dogs, and five cats. Wow. We had two goats until recently also, Tristan says, that we're planning to have bred this fall, but we had to sell them because they got too aggressive. and actually rammed my youngest daughter one day, and that was the last straw for the goats. I am really, really thankful that our goats have not caused any problems with our kids. We did have a a rooster uh, who would attack every kid that would uh, our own kids uh, kids that would come to the house like uh, Ned the rooster Uh, and Ned was a jackass Uh, he was the worst rooster that we've ever had Uh, and ultimately uh, we don't have Ned anymore but uh, I I get it Tristan when the uh, animals go after the kids uh, all of a sudden the animals know who uh, who the priority is on the farm right? Tristan says, since we got rid of the goats, my oldest daughter wants to get pigs now so we can have bacon. Ha ha, smart girl, says uh, Tristan. She also wants a horse, but all I can see with that, dollar signs. Yeah, right? That's like one. It's like the, having the biggest dog in the world. You get a dog so big you can ride, but it's still a pet uh, unless she it's hard to make money off of a horse Uh, she uh, also wants to okay I already said that uh, I'm currently the only one employed here on our 40 acres as my wife is a homemaker Uh, that was always our plan and so far it's worked out my grandparents are both retired and because of our lovely medical and social security system uh, my mom cannot work because if she had any income she would have to pay for my dad's medical costs out of pocket so my mom does the main share of the care for the animals Tristan says along with grandma take care of our roughly three acre garden plot complete with grapes, blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries. We also have an orchard with four varieties of apples, plums, and pears. Tristan says, I try to help out, but working full-time, being on the volunteer fire department, raising kids, uh, my sphere of influence here never really gets much past the hard. You know, Tristan, it's, it's, it's funny that you say that, because sometimes that's how I feel. Um, but isn't it nice? And, and I, it's, it's more than nice. It's almost necessary. Um, to have that that family structure, you know, if if it were just uh, Miss E and I, and we didn't have any of the kids to help out, um, and I think about this, you know, our youngest are eleven, uh, but one day they're gonna they're gonna move away, they're gonna find their own thing to do, and when it's just the two of us in the house, uh, there, there's a lot. There's a lot to take care of with the even just with the garden, you know, and it's mostly the two of us, except when we rope the kids into uh, helping us weed and and whatnot. It is a lot of work. It is um, in some ways, you know, it's 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 not like you're out there caring for the animals all day every day, but it's the consistency. You can't take a day off, right? It's not like you can wake up one day and say, "Well, I'm not going to take care of the sheep," or "Yeah, you know, I'm not going to." Uh, do anything with the pigs today. They, they can fend for themselves. Um, it's hard to do that when you've got livestock. It's one thing to let the garden go for a couple of days and then come back and get caught up on the uh, the weeding. and um, It's a little bit different when you've got uh, animals around, and, and and I'm glad that you've got that support system. It sounds like uh, you've got a, a really good family structure there. Tristan says, I've had a lot of stress this last year between my dad's decline in health. Just trying to keep up with life in general, and the added stress of somehow ending up on my supervisor's bad side uh, and became the target of uh, an unfair workplace. Uh, Tristan says, I think all of it stems from personal issues that uh, she has with me. I'm a country boy who likes guns and hunting, as well as me making the mistake of pointing out some problems with another employee, uh, boss's favorite who can do no wrong. Tristan said, "Attempted uh, to go to HR to get help. Things only got worse. I've been looking for a new job for a year now with no luck. Until today, Tristan writes, as I write this, I am enjoying a celebratory glass of whiskey as I'll be turning in my two weeks notice tomorrow and starting my new job before the end of the month. This is a huge relief to me and my family and hopefully the lessening of stress will allow me to focus on getting my health under control. Tristan says, I have type 1 diabetes. Stress is a very bad thing. It drives blood sugar levels up. and makes them nearly impossible to control. Tristan says, anyway, I think I may have unloaded a whole bunch on you tonight, and I should get to bed. I like the unloading. I do. I, I love opening up my email and finding a, a long email from a, a new friend or an old friend. I love it. So unload anytime you want, Tristan, uh, and congratulations, man. That is that is excellent news that you have Got a new job. Uh, hopefully, uh, you'll be able to close this uh, stressful chapter of your life and start a new one. And I hope it goes. Hope it goes great for you. Uh, Tristan though says, uh, before I go, I did want to mention something about a story you've talked about a few times. Cow farts. Yeah, everybody loves the cow fart stories. Tristan says, uh, up here in Northwest Washington, we have a lot of dairies. I worked at one years ago, and at that dairy, we fed a lot of different feed to the cows. We would mix up a whole bunch of different feedstocks in a mixer and feed it to the cows. These feedstocks included grass silage, alfalfa hay, corn silage, but there was also cotton seed, oats, barley, even bakery waste. So if they do things similar in California, there are more angles to controlling the feed for the cattle than just types of grass. Don't get me wrong, it's still ridiculous to try to control bovine gas. Uh, But I want to let you know that there is a lot more fed to cows than just corn and grass. So in closing, Tristan says, I'd like to let you guys know that prayers continue to be sent up for you. Good thoughts sent your way. Miss E, you stay strong and continue to heal up. And Cam, you stay strong as well to support Miss E and your family. Uh, Know that there are a whole lot of people in your guys' corner, and that would do what is in our power to help you if you needed. Keep in good spirits, because no matter what today brings, uh, how bad things may seem at time, it can always be worse. And, uh, and hopefully, Tristan, it is, uh, it's always getting better. So thank you very much for spending some of your day with me, and thank you for spending some of your celebration with me. I am, uh, I'm excited for you. I am looking forward to uh, hearing more updates about the new job and the uh, 40 acres that you are sharing With uh, your mom and your wife and your daughters and your grandma. So are you the only fella there on the farm, Tristan, as I'm rereading this? I I think you might be the only fella on the farm. I don't know if you have a name for your farm, but uh, I might call your place Estrogen Acres from here on out. Anyway, I appreciate you writing in. Good luck with everything, and uh, and don't be a stranger. We do have to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got more of your thoughts. We've got uh, more news from Farmville, Virginia, and the uh, Forty Acres. So stick around here with Forty Acres and a Fool from the
1: Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. This week on the show, yeah, we're talking to Clark Kent. He called me and I pulled on Superman's cape. Plus, a lady Isis wanted to behead, and they actually tried to. And a spider that, if it bites a guy, gives him four hours of uh, arousal and then kills him. Yeah. Pure Opelka.
1: Saturday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern.
0: On the Blaze
1: Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: So I have
1: not had a chance to do a lot of reading
2: uh, lately. I know I like to talk about the books that I've been reading here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Haven't had much time. I've been uh, kind of struggling chapter by chapter to get through uh, Nicholas Tlaib's book, Anti-Fragile, which is really interesting. Um, it's, I, I, he was the author of Black Swan, and I read that a couple of years ago, uh, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, Anti Fragile, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in what he's saying, but for whatever reason, I'm having a very hard time just like getting into the book. And so, I, I'm not reading it for hours at a time. I'm, I'm reading a chapter and then I'm having to put it down and think about what was said. But, uh, I did take a break from that over the weekend. Uh, it was a really quick read I picked up. Uh, I saw over the weekend, uh, Brock Yates. Passed away. I don't know if that name is familiar to you. If you are a car guy, uh, maybe that uh, that name rings a bell. Maybe you are a, a fan of Brock Yates. He was a, a automotive writer, uh, commentator for uh, uh, racing back in the seventies and eighties. Passed away at the age of eighty two. Uh, maybe the thing that he is best known for is the creation of the Cannonball Run. Uh, yes, he helped write the screenplay for the movie The Cannonball Run. But the Cannonball Run was a real race that was run. Uh, five times in the 1970s. And uh, there's a, a book, it's available, I think, on Amazon Kindle for probably seven or eight bucks right now. Uh, and it's uh, Brock Yates and uh, uh, a lot of the racers. They're, they're, it's sort of an oral history of the Cannonball Run. It was absolutely fascinating and a really fun read uh, because it was the, I, I, you know, I can't imagine something like this taking place Today, uh, here you had in 1971. That was the first year that, uh, that the race was run. Actually, I, maybe 72 is the, uh, the the real first year because I think uh, the first race it was to, it was Brock Yates and his driver and like maybe three other uh, cars that uh, went coast to coast from uh, Manhattan to uh, I think it was uh, Redondo Beach, California. The uh, 55-mile-an-hour speed limit was just coming into effect, and this was a gigantic middle finger to the overarching uh, federal government and the bureaucracy and uh, the the nanny state telling you how fast you can drive. The idea behind the Cannonball Run was, look, uh, skilled drivers with good cars, can safely navigate the roads of the country at speeds greater than fifty five miles an hour, uh, and we 're going to show you and uh, and they and they did, and they sped and some of them got pulled over uh, there were um, no serious wrecks that year. I think there was only one serious wreck in the uh, cannonball runs history, but it was such an anti authoritarian event now, and yet. Back then, the anti-authoritarians were sort of on the left, right? This was a—I I, I this wasn't like a progressive race or anything like that. This was much more of, I think, a libertarian uh, style event. Uh, and I just don't think that it could happen today. A, uh, you've got a lot more congestion on the interstates, uh, but uh, but B, you know, the idea of a a major uh, magazine at the time—I think it was—I uh, think it was Road and Track, maybe it was Car and Driver—that got behind. Uh, the Cannonball Run, the the magazine that Brock Yates was writing for, they didn't shut this thing down. They didn't tell him, "No, you can't do this, Brock. If you do this, we're going to fire you because you're you're encouraging people to break the law." They they went along with it. They 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 covered it, um, and I. Don't see that happening these days, uh, but it was a a glorious uh, event year after year. It Sounds like it was a lot of fun for the people who participated, uh, and again, just a, a a a giant middle finger to the nannies uh, who believe that uh, they know what is best for you. Back then, again, it was it was how to drive. Now it has progressed to uh, the not just the, uh, the the speed limit that you drive, but now you know you've got people telling you that listen, we're going to have. Uh, cars that are self-driving, and and they'll drive better than you could ever drive. So get ready because uh, you're going to not be able to drive. We're going we're gonna to take that away from you in uh, 10 or 20 years. In the meantime, by the way, we also have a lot of uh, things that we want to do uh, to your soda, to your cigarettes, to your gun ownership, to the uh, thoughts that you think, to the words that you say. Um, it's become a lot worse, I think, since the 1970s. We might, we might need a cultural cannonball run. Uh, here before long, but uh, anyway, if you are interested, if you <laughs> remember the original movie, um, I, I would encourage you to pick up uh, Brock Yates' Cannonball, because uh, it's it's kind of amazing some of the things that, that are in the Cannonball Run movie that actually uh, were taken from real life. It was a, uh, like I said, it was a very fun read. Speaking of uh, uh, self-driving cars, by the way, the New York Times had a story uh, this week on the Internet of Things... With cars uh, being the feature, I'm not a huge, huge fan, huge fan of of the Internet of Things, and I will be uh, one of the last <laughs> adopters with Satellite internet, uh, the Internet of Things doesn't doesn't. It's not built for satellite internet. The the Internet of Things is built for constantly connected, high speed, broadband uh, internet connectivity, and that's not what you find in uh, rural America in many cases. Uh, anyway, New York Times. Uh, Quotes Kamyar Moisada, chief executive of Airbiquity, a Seattle software and engineering company specializing in vehicle tracking and telematics. He says the uh, car is going to become another node in the Internet of Things. New York Times uh, writes, cars more fully integrated into the so-called Internet of Things, everyday devices both able to send and receive data, could become more of a seamless piece of the daily digital fabric of people's lives. Um... I'm not sure that I really want that. They're talking about uh, companies that are are uh, integrating uh, Amazon's Alexa, that voice-activated home assistant is what they call it. Ford Motor is going to be introducing Alexa integration into the Escape and the Fusion vehicles before the end of the year. Uh, James Bukowski, oversees advanced engineering at Ford, says your spouse could add things to the shopping list, which your car would alert you to. Oh, and the updated list could then automatically tip off the car's navigation system about where to pick up the last-minute items. It, 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 look, I, I get the gee whiz factor there, but does that sound necessary to you? Does that sound like something that you absolutely need, something that you must have in your life and that is going to dramatically improve your life? What happens now if you go to the store and... You forget something or your spouse uh, says, oh, you know what, I remember. To, I forgot to put this on the list. What happens right now? Chances are you get a phone call or you get a text and you are aware of the uh, extra stuff that you need to pick up, right? It's not that hard. Uh, it's not like... We're going from the telegraph to the Internet of Things. You know, we we have the ability to constantly stay in touch with each other. Uh, the Internet of Things is now about the uh, ability of inanimate objects to constantly stay in touch with e- with uh, the, each other. I I don't know. I'm not uh, I'm not sold. Uh, New York Times quotes uh, uh, the uh, fellow at uh, Airbiquity. He says the uh, the next generation of connected car systems will focus on managing our entire digital lives aided by semi-autonomous systems that assume more responsibility for actual driving tasks. Uh, Muenzada said, once we get to the world of autonomous driving, these cars are not going to be about horsepower, but about the in-vehicle experience and how it's connected to your lifestyle. The car will talk to all your connected things, whether it's your refrigerator or your home security system. I, I don't. Need that. That doesn't excite me. That doesn't intrigue me. I don't want it. Uh, Even worse (laughs) is what the uh, guy from Ford uh, had to say. Actually, uh, Brett Greenstein, vice president for the Watson Internet of Things Artificial Intelligence Division at IBM, uh, says in healthcare, it's about monitoring people and how they're behaving. And he says, We can do this in cars. Driver attentiveness can be assessed by a combination of sensors in the car, including acoustic monitors, eye trackers, and wearable devices. He said, even how fast or safely you drive tells us about your mood and well-being. Again, I don't need that. More importantly, you don't need to know that about me. Because it's not just that the car has got to know these things. Someone is going to know these things. Uh, if there are acoustic monitors or eye trackers, I suppose that the uh, uh, the computer system is going to uh, use that. But are those going to be hackable devices if they are part of the Internet of Things? Can someone eavesdrop in your car? Can someone uh, watch through the uh, eye tracking camera? Again, th- this this creeps me out more than it excites me. Uh the fellow from Ford says brainwaves and heart rates can indicate stress. So if you're connected and you're you're wired uh, in your car, such signals might then tell the car to block incoming calls or switch the audio system from ACDC to Yanni. Again, that doesn't excite me. If I'm driving and I'm listening to ACDC, I have decided to listen to ACDC. And if my car all of a sudden decided that instead of listening to ACDC, what I really needed was Yanni or some Kenny G, that wouldn't make me feel better. That would make me even angrier. That would get me more stressed out. Why is my car playing Yanni when I wanted to listen to ACDC? This does not sound appealing to me at all. Uh, Mr. Bukowski at Ford said the welter of onboard sensors could turn the car into a four-wheeled digital telescope, uh, stethoscope rather that compiles a continuous record of your condition, generating a more accurate assessment of your health compared with a snapshot of a once-a-year checkup. I, I, or you can go to the doctors. You could just do that, too. Uh, I don't know. I'm not excited about it. I am. Uh, the, the, the New York Times talks about the threat from hackers, but that's just that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is the data collection that uh, these companies get uh, that, that, that they make money from. Uh, they make money from your information that you give to them willingly, and I'm I'm not sure that we're getting the uh, uh, the best part of that bargain, honestly. Uh, and the more okay. I read about stuff like this, and the again the less of a necessity all this seems to me, I, I'm starting to feel <laughs> I don't want to become a luddite. Um, I don't know. I I, I I don't have any desire to become Amish. I'm starting to think maybe if there's uh, maybe I'm 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 Camish. Uh, maybe that, maybe that's the the word just describing. I I'd be fine if technology stopped about mm, let's say 1995 or so. Uh I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of what uh, the constant uh, ability to connect with uh, people have, have done to us. Uh, yeah, there are benefits. There are also a lot of drawbacks. We've talked about that before. But uh, more and more of these advances, uh, quote, unquote, seem um, less like, you know, sure, there are technological advances. But are they actually advances in how we live? i I don't think so i'm I'm very curious though your take on the internet of things does this excite you are you uh, are you looking forward to self driving cars are you looking forward to being monitored uh, at all times in your home uh, and in your vehicle uh, again for your benefit of course right are, are you, does this excite you am i am i crazy to to not be thrilled? Uh, by what's coming down the pike here, I would love to hear your thoughts. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool, 40acrefool, at gmail.com. Uh, we will not have self-driving tractors on the 40 acres. We will not have uh, uh, self-feeding uh, you know, goat feeders. We will not have uh, self scratching pig scratchers. The the Internet of Things will not be coming to the Forty Acres anytime soon. Uh, but we do have another segment of Forty Acres and a Fool that's coming up right after this. So stick
1: around. We'll be right back. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. He went all Whoopi Goldberg on the guy. I mean, whoopi Goldberg was
0: really annoying and then left?
1: Instead of
2: going off, you know, bitching at his wife, complaining to her, attacking her, not that that would be nice, but instead of blaming
1: her and wanting her to be punished, he went after the dude and pulled a Lorena Bobbitt. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: So
2: Jeff wrote in and said, um, this is this is just awfully nice. Uh, Jeff in uh, Canistota, New York uh, said, I'm praying for Miss Eater during her chemotherapy. My father went through it and passed away in 2007, but it wasn't due to his cancer. It was complications when he suffered a stroke prior um jeff says i shaved my head when my dad lost his hair and i just did it for miss e too i'll be wearing a baseball cap since the attempts have dropped here in central new york uh jeff sent along before and after pictures jeff buddy that that that's amazing not only did you shave the uh, the hair off your head you got rid of the goatee as well that um i again i i can't I can't tell you what that means to me, um, and what that means to uh, to Missy as well. Know that you have a lot of fans. He says, "Be it on the podcast uh, and on Cam and Company, thinking of you, Jeff." Uh, uh, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, and and I do know that uh, we've got a lot of folks around the country who are thinking about us and who are praying for us. And you know, it just makes uh, it, it, it 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 makes you feel good. Um. Personally, Jeff, but I got to say, you know, even even beyond the uh, the cancer and the chemotherapy that we're dealing with, you know, it's I I feel a part of a community, um, and and it's the and Company community. It's you know, it's the NRA family, uh, but we've got a a pretty tight little community. Here on uh, Forty Acres and a Fool as well, and uh, you know, not not uh, listen. We're, we're not getting millions of listeners every week. I'm okay with that. We've got a good sized small town worth of listeners to Forty Acres and a Fool, and to me, that's kind of fitting. It's almost the way that it should be. You know, a a small town feel and a uh, a real uh, a community that I think is developing. Um, we got to do something, though. I got I, I, when, when I have time, this is part of my plan for 2017, because I don't like Twitter. I'm not really a fan of Facebook. As I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just not convinced that uh, we're getting the, the best part of this bargain um, when we agree to give up uh, access to our information and our lives uh, in exchange for the ability to share our thoughts on Facebook or on Twitter. So, uh, one of the things that I've been uh, thinking about and planning on doing is, uh, uh, having an actual web presence for 40 acres and a fool, um, place where Missy e and I can, uh, can write, uh, where we can, uh, have comments. Maybe there'll be a, a forum section. I, I don't know, but I want to have a, a gathering place, um, beyond just the podcast. And so, uh, we're, we're going to be working on that in the months ahead, but, um, Again, I really appreciate not only your uh, your, your your words, uh, but your actions as well, Jeff. And uh, thank you very much. I'm so sorry to hear about your father, and uh, and I hope that we get a chance to hear from you again very very soon. Also, heard from uh, Charity this week who sent along an article uh, from Rick Bickling. This was great. He uh, Charity says uh, I, I I go through these stages every year. Uh, It's the five stages of gardening by uh, Rick Brickling. Uh, The five stages of uh, grief gardening. Uh, Denial. These green beans will be just fine. It's just a few hundred locusts or squash vine boars. This can't be happening. Not to me. And then anger. Why my spinach? It's not fair. How can this happen to me? I'm 100% organic. Where can I find some DDT? To the bargaining stage. Just let me get one more tomato before the birds eat them all or I'll do anything for a few more years of corn, or I I promise to install a rainwater harvesting system next year if... Then, to depression. I'm so tired. Why bother pulling weeds at all? I don't like eggplant all that much anyway. What's the point? I I, I miss my peppers. To finally, acceptance. It's going to be okay. I may as well enjoy canning those 12 bushels of tomatoes. (laughs) Yeah. um, That's probably a pretty good description of... Uh, our gardening experience this year, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and uh, finally on to acceptance. Uh, I'll tell you the thing that really that has helped is that uh, our friends who uh, put in a lot more effort <laughs> this year to their garden and, uh, and tried a lot harder and uh, you know uh, uh, kept up with everything, they still had a pretty crummy year. Uh, honestly, the the dry spell in I was thinking about this yesterday. So we had a rainy Independence Day, uh, and then maybe a little bit of rain in mid July. But it was like kind of splotchy and, and and patchy. Just it was those scattered summer storms that uh, blow through, and they're gone in like thirty minutes. Um, by mid July, that was gone, and for at least six weeks, uh, we had just nothing but blue sky. Sometimes it'd be cloudy, but it was, it never really rained and everything just got decimated. Um, so the friends of mine who, uh, who had their garden going, um, never really got their tomatoes. Uh, everybody seems to have had the, the same experience that we have had. It's a good year for peppers, (laughs) not a good year for tomatoes. Um, I did have some friends who uh, earlier in the spring had a, a bumper beet crop, and I think now maybe the uh, the, the late season stuff is uh, starting to come back, uh, if it wasn't already killed off by the uh, the dry weather earlier this year. So that that I don't want to say that makes me feel good because I, I hate to see uh, gardens not succeed, but it, it does make me feel a little bit better that okay the, the, the friends of mine who, who uh, expended a lot more energy um, and, and really tried to make a go of it yeah this was just a bad year for gardens in our area so I, I don't feel as bad uh, about our kind of crummy garden um, next year Next year, we're going to uh, have a completely different system. <laughs> we say this every year. This will probably be part of the thing, I think, that uh, helps Missy get through uh, the uh, months of chemo is is planning uh, for the garden. We, uh, we're getting ready to do a little bit of repairs to our greenhouse uh, so that we can use that this, uh, this winter and early in the spring and get an early start, but uh, we're definitely going to be reducing our footprint uh, for the garden. It was just just way too much, and I'm still. The good news is we didn't grow any tomatoes, so the tomato blight that we had last year shouldn't have to worry about it this year. Um, but one of the things that that I've got to do, we decided last, we decided this spring, spring of 2016, that uh, we had started out with raised garden beds, and we had those for a couple of years, and then. We again, we had like these glorious visions of this beautifully maintained garden. I don't know who was going to maintain it, but you are going to be, you know, these the dozens of raised beds, and there are going to be these, uh, you know, amazing paths in between the beds. It was going to look so beautiful, and that's not what happened at all. That uh, it, it, it didn't look anything like that. So uh, this previous spring, spring of 2016, we decided, all right, we're going to get rid of the raised garden beds. We went and we rototilled everything, uh, but we didn't uh, uh, tamp it down. We didn't uh, do a really good job. You can still see some some beds. and we, do, we turned over everything, but there's still some raised beds. So that's the biggest job um, that I'm going to have here in the late fall and the early winter is to, to go through rototill everything again and this time actually just even it out. Our garden's on a bit of a slope so it won't be even, but I just got to get rid of the the raised bed so that we can actually start to grow again um, in a hopefully a, a smaller space, a, a space that is easier to maintain. Uh, we had the big idea we were going to move our garden from the uh, sort of the back of the house. We we're going to move it over to the uh, front of the house and the spot that we picked out this year. Uh, it was just too rocky. It didn't really have the soil necessary, so I think we're going to stick with our our old garden spot. Um, but we're definitely going to be making some changes to it. Miss um, E has uh, big plans for a uh, chicken tunnel system that she wants to expand. I, I it's in the planning stages, so we'll see if this comes to fruition. Uh, by the spring, the the chickens, honestly, they're doing okay. I, I, I shouldn't even have said that. I have to knock on something made of wood now. There we go. Uh, we have not lost any chickens in, I can't remember the last time we lost a chicken. Uh, which is good because they've been free-ranging, they've been out and about, and this is the time of year where not only do you have coyotes and foxes to worry about, but you've got the uh, hunting dogs, which are running around. And we've never lost a chicken to a hunting dog, but uh, they have been known to chase our chickens before, and I have friends who have lost several chickens to hunting dogs. So right now, the uh, the, the chickens look pretty good. We've actually got a friend who is... Uh, uh, Raising some uh, more chickens for us. They'll probably be big enough uh, for us to take in, I don't know, maybe six weeks or so. But uh, right now, we've got six hens, we've got a juvenile rooster, and then we've got a crow, our rooster who we thought was a hen, uh, that uh, all of a sudden started crowing. So we're getting, on average, um, now that they're laying in the coop again, and that's, that's good. They, they actually have rediscovered the coop, uh, they're back to normal we am getting four to five eggs a day, which is it's good. It's enough. Um, I'd like to have a little bit more. I'd like to eventually to get to the point that we would have enough that we could uh, even turn around and sell um, some of the uh, the extra eggs that we are, are getting. But uh, right now, five eggs a day that that's um, enough for a uh, family, and uh, and and you know we're, we're 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 sort of maintaining right now. None of the goats are. Uh, in milk at the moment, we probably need to get the uh, goats preggers um, in order for them to uh, be ready in the spring, and we still need to figure out what we're going to do with our two American guinea hogs. We uh, I did move them to uh, fresh pasture this past weekend. I you know in years past I would have thought okay well this will be their winter quarters um that's not the case this will probably last them for another 2 months or so and then I'll have to either move them to a new spot where they can munch on some dead grass or we'll just have to supplement them with uh, hog chow throughout the winter months uh, even more than what we're doing right now uh because they go through I mean look when the when the leaves stop Growing or the least, you know, change and they drop and the uh, the grass stops growing. Uh, uh, even a couple of hogs can tear through a patch of yard uh, faster than you would ever think possible. So this four hundred square feet or so that uh, the two hogs are in right now, yeah, I'd love it if they would last uh, until spring there, but I don't think it's going to happen. This weekend, among the uh, many chores that we have. Our goat fence, our batteries for the uh, goat electro net died on us, and so all of the goats have been getting out every day. It has been a ginormous pain. Uh, They love to hang out on the porch, and that's great and all, except that uh, goats have absolutely no decorum and uh, no sense of propriety where they use the bathroom. So that has to stop because I'm getting really tired of cleaning up goat poop uh, from my porch. So uh, hopefully we'll get our new batteries that we have ordered, and we'll be able to uh, fix the ElectroNet, move the goats to uh, to their winter quarters, uh, or at least uh, their home for the next couple of months. I think what we're going to do is we're going to move them, into a a pasture area that they had been in about a year ago. Uh, There's lots of little small trees that have grown up that they can eat. Um, They absolutely decimated one of our big cypress trees because they love to eat the cypress bark. So that tree is dead. uh, And after they go through and they clean out that area, we're going to move them into, I think we're going to try to actually overwinter them in what will be uh, our garden. So we'll keep them there. Hopefully for a couple of months or so, and then we'll move them around. We've been thinking about getting rid of a couple of the goats. We um, we we have six at the moment, and that we don't really need six. We're only milking two. Uh, we have a weather that will probably get turned into Euro meat uh, before long because he is big and plump and juicy. But then we have uh, three dwarf Nigerians uh, females. And we uh, we're just not doing anything with them right now. So we'll probably try to uh, sell them or give them to a good home at some point and just stick with uh, our milkers here for the spring. So we've got a lot of stuff that we have to do to get ready. And uh, I actually better get, get started on that. I better say goodbye here for this week on 40 Acres and a Fool. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And for being a part of this community, I, I really do appreciate it. I hope that I get a chance to hear from more of you. The email address 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can follow Miss E on Instagram at cornygoatfarm. You can follow me on Instagram uh, at cam edwards. I, I am still on Instagram. That's the one social media platform that I am still using on a fairly regular basis. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at cam edwards. Don't know when I'll be tweeting again. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as well. I, I, I keep Thinking to myself, all right, I, I gotta do something. I gotta have one platform. Right now, that one platform seems to be Instagram. So who knows? Maybe one day I'll return to social media, but uh, in the meantime, we are also looking to uh, to build up a, a bigger online presence for uh, for this community, for the uh, the fools out there. Thank you, as always for being a part of the program. I hope that we get a chance to uh, talk with you this week. And we will be back with episode 81 of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network next week. Until then, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we'll see you here soon with more 40 Acres and a Fool.
1: 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.